So if you start a business now, the great thing about crises usually is that they are not lasting as long as growth phases. So maybe after two years, when your product is ready, you tested it with a few customers, then the economy takes up again, and then you're part of it. Hi, and welcome to the third episode of How If We're Startup Podcast Business and Corona Crisis Management Series. My name is Dina Yunieva, and this time I was happy to talk to Jasper Mazeman, who is the principal at one of the biggest European startup investor firms, Holtzbrink Ventures. Hello, Jasper. Could you please tell us a bit what is it that Holtzbrink Ventures does and which responsibilities you have at Holtzbrink as a principal? Sure, Dina. Um, thanks uh, for, uh, for this interview. Um, so Holtzbrink Ventures is a venture capital fund. Um, we manage more than a billion uh, euros in capital across uh, several funds. Uh, we're 20 years old. Um, so we started around, let's say, the big new economy growth um, and have seen uh, several downturns and upturns since then. Uh, we're now in the seventh fund generation, uh, investing out of a 306 million fund, uh, mainly in early stage. Uh, we can also follow on across various rounds. So usually we enter with a smaller ticket of maybe a million, and then we can invest up to 40 million uh, into one company. Um, my responsibility is mainly in software investments. So I have eight portfolio companies where I sit on the boards. Um, which are either, for example, serving designers, um, serving also large enterprises in customer care or call center operations. So I like everything that is very technical um, solving a problem. I'm not a technical person from background, have a management science background, um, founded my own company and sold it here in Berlin and then joined uh, Holzbring Ventures when we opened up uh, the Berlin office four and a half years ago. We are originally from Munich where we have the larger office. Uh, Humboldt Forum Wirtschaft visited Holzbrink in 2016 for our startup hopping three. Have there been any IPOs since that time? Yeah, I, try, I checked it, or at least I tried to check. Um, so we merged uh, one of our companies uh, that is called eDarling with Spark Networks. That's uh, one of the larger US dating um, companies. So that's kind of an IPO. Um, but then there was Home24 where, where we investors, and I'm not so sure when exactly that was. I was trying to figure out the exact date, but let's say Home24, but not so many others. Um, what we mainly saw in the last years were large equity financing rounds, you might remember, SoftBank investing a lot. Um, we had a, a large investment in Flixbus, for example, last year of half a billion. So um, people stayed um, uh, off the markets a bit longer because other investors were supporting them with large equity financing. And are you closing any deals currently? Well, we're discussing deals. Um, we haven't closed one in the past weeks, uh, but we were, we're currently about to close probably deals. Um, so, yes, we're, we're quite open to discuss them with the founders via video and very interested in the market. Um, obviously, um, uh, the market is not so busy as it was, especially uh, end of last year. Usually you meet personally with the founders and now it's not entirely possible, but I guess you still hold meetings online. Uh, would you actually invest in a startup if you only met the founders via video chat? Um, yes, uh, as a general answer, we would. Um, it's, it's obviously easier if we know the person in advance. Maybe we have met offline before 
or let's say um, the whole investment thesis is less dependent on the founding team because it's much easier to get a feeling for people, um, their interaction, maybe any risk involved, um, any, any founder product or founder market fit when you, when you meet them in person. Um, but um, it, it can definitely work. And uh, the only, let's say, caveat of it is we tend to focus no more on investments in, in our home country of Germany. And um, as always, we do investments outside of Germany, but then with partners. So we would then have to stronger rely on the partner that has known maybe the founders before. But VC business in early stage is an investment in people. And yes, it's more difficult if you see people only via video. Um, do you also experience the crisis as a business right now? I mean, is there an investment break currently? Uh, it depends. Um, so many VCs are, um, were first of all taking care of their portfolio. So that's, that's, our, um, that's our agenda, portfolio first. And making sure that we have enough reserves to support companies that were hit by Corona but, or COVID, but still have a very, very solid business model after the crisis has uh, passed. So that, that was our first focus um, and, and, and also speaking with the companies and, and really figuring out how long we can extend the runway, as we call it, so the time until they run out of cash. Um, and then uh, there's obviously less capacity so to look at more new deals. Uh, but then again, there are companies um, also, for example, in my portfolio, Lingo Kids, they are doing education for small children that are actually benefiting from the crisis. And, and then some investors, I mean, they just, uh, many investors raised new funds this year. So they're sitting on a pile of cash. So looking for opportunities, um, as long as the companies are not severely hit by COVID and um, you can see that there's, let's say, going through the crisis pretty well, we see that there's a lot of interest from outside investors. And we are also reaching out ourselves to other companies and other VC funds for opportunities. So I would say it has changed, uh, but it's, and it's not business as usual, but there's clearly business out there. And would you also say that your investment behavior changed? Yes, we are. I mean, we, we do the same as before, um, but let's say we, we're trying to understand better if a company was somehow hit by COVID, how they would come out of the crisis. And before that, obviously, you wouldn't ask that question about let's predict a crisis and see how you come out of that. So it's a different type of analysis. Um, it's more a lot of discussions with founders, especially at the early stage, because you don't have that many numbers for it. Um, but then um, we would probably take more time analyzing the company. In the past, you know, we had a lot of, so there was a lot of new funds, a lot, or still is, and a lot of uh, money in the market, and then a lot of competition. So people were moving fast, founders were pushing, sometimes not, funds were pushing. So there was less time doing profound analysis, and now there is, which is actually something I think everybody should do, um, because then you come to the right decisions, also for a founder deciding on the right investor. So I, I, like that, uh, I like the fact that it's slowing down. I don't like the fact that we have a crisis. And uh, do you see a lot of startups in the digital and medicine fields popping up right now? Yes, we see um, some. I mean, there were startups before in that field. Um, what we see now is some founders are in, in, in many fields are tr uh, rather starting or thinking about starting new businesses. 
And yes, there are businesses in digital health, which are, I mean, as, as I said before, that happened, but now it's obviously easier. The adoption is easier. We have a company in our portfolio called Dialogue from Canada. They do telemedicine for corporations. Um, so they see a strong push. And as I said, LingoKit. So you see those business models where people are trying to address um, people being remote or at home. But obviously, if you start building a company now, you're probably too late for the product to be market ready uh, when the crisis is then over. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's, it's an immediate um, push. But what is important is, I guess, that the trend of people uh, acknowledging they can work from home, acknowledging there are digital products, and acknowledging there might be another uh, crisis coming, uh, that better be prepared that this is opening up uh, the willingness to try out those products and then hence uh, building a company around it. And um, to the next question, you are one of the biggest European investors. The most known startups you've invested in are Zalando, Delivery Hero and Flixbus. And your fund has a size of around 1 billion euros, as you mentioned. So the unique feature of Holtspring is that you invest between 500,000 and 40 million euros in the investment round. Um, do you actually worry more about the smaller startups that you received a smaller investment or grown startups that you have invested big sums of money in? So first of all, um, we, I, I, I don't think it's unique. It's really, um, we are multi-stage investor. There are less multi-stage investors out there than let's say single stage seed, series A or so investors. Um, but the great thing about us, I think, for founders is if you get us on board, we can fund you over across several rounds and even make rounds bigger. So that's that's a great thing. Um, and, and coming to your question, we worry about all of our startups because also the smaller ones, I mean, the crisis might kill their potential to become a larger one. And yes, for the larger ones, we allocated more capital, so there's more at risk for us. So we... So just from a return perspective, um, there is more risk. Um, so um, we would um, evaluate the whole portfolio on return perspectives. And that's what I said about capital allocation. I mean, for us, every fund, and we have now seven uh, funds, every fund has only a certain outliers. So a few companies are returning the whole fund several times. So uh, we have to figure out which are the ones and support those as much as we can. And then obviously also help the other ones because maybe they're not getting as big as, as Zalando, but might be still good businesses. Um, so that's, that's a difficult discussion also with the founders. Um, and that's why, why I'm saying we're worrying about all of them. And for us, with our style is to have an open discussion around that and, and be very transparent. Um, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella said recently that Microsoft saw two years worth of digital transformation in just two months. Is this crisis actually a sort of advantage for Holtzbrink Ventures and other venture capital firms since you invest in digital businesses? Yes, I, I think so. I mean, there's always, uh, you always need some kind of event to push certain trends through. Um, however, um, what this crisis will also um, create is a lack of cash, a lack of investment money. So what we probably won't see is a big push now right after the crisis, but the awareness will be bigger. So my feeling is, since I'm investing more in software, which with longer sales cycles than consumer businesses, that top of the funnel, we receive much more activities, top of the sales funnel, which means there are a lot more discussions, people being interested. But then closing deals will be harder because simply people don't have money. 
at least at the moment, and they might be waiting to get that money back. So I think the trend that he's referring to, yes, I mean, there's, there was no need for Teams and video chat, etc. That makes sense. But on the broader sense, it will probably accelerate, but we won't see it in 2020 that much, uh, but rather later. Our listeners are mostly Berlin students, and some of them are interested in becoming an entrepreneur. On the one hand, we have an economic downturn. On the other hand, crises accelerate the exit of outdated businesses and clear the way for new innovative ideas. Would you say founding a business is easier or more difficult at the moment? <laughs> so so uh, let me let me uh, discuss that a bit more in detail. Uh, starting a business is, is always easy. It's like investing in a business. Giving somebody money is always easy. But uh, finding out if this is the right business to start, if this is the right company to invest in, is obviously a bit more difficult because you have to predict the future somehow. Um, so I would say um, it's a great uh, it's a great time to start something very very early because if you look at um, the IPOs of last year, like all the big software companies, they were actually started before or after the uh, 2007-2008 crisis because it takes time to build a, a large company. So if you start a business now, the great thing about crisis usually is that they are not lasting as long as um, up, up, um, uh, like growth phases. So maybe after two years, when your product is ready, you tested it with a few customers, then the economy takes up again, and then you're part of it. Um, so yes, I think it's a great time to start uh, a very early business. It's probably more difficult if you're hit by uh, the crisis right now and actually wanted to fundraise before the summer and your revenues are just plummeting. And um, how much damage would be caused by corona crisis to the startup world in your opinion? And maybe you also can anticipate about your portfolio. Uh, if you want an exact number, I can't give you that. Um, there is damage. Um, so we have companies in our portfolio that are obviously hit by the crisis. So the travel industry is hit, the transportation industry is hit. You, know, you mentioned Flixbus. I mean, they just, you know, people don't go on buses at the moment or not that much. Um, but uh, they have they have enough cash. Um, uh, we they will definitely come out strong of this crisis. So um, for us, uh, we see uh, it's probably accelerating the selection process of who who's the winner, um, and it will also take money from us as investors um, to to help the right startups to to come out of this crisis. So at the end of the day, our hope is that it's not causing that much damage um, in the mid term. Um, and it's actually rather about making wise choices now. So it's kind of creating more awareness which business models are working well and which ones are not. Um, another interesting question is German startups have become very attractive at the world arena. More and more international investors start to set up offices in Berlin or invest in German startups. For example, Samsung opened an office for their investment arm in Berlin or the Silicon Valley investor Sequoia Capital, known for investments in Instagram or PayPal, invested recently in a German startup. Do you see the danger that lacking capital in Europe, especially uh, in the later investment stage, lead to a certain brain drain, a startup drain? Or does politics undertake enough measures to prevent that? 
Yeah, Sequoia invested, um, I, th I think it was a smaller one and, and they the, the biggest recent one was in Tourlane, one of our portfolio companies. They actually did two rounds. So we were very happy about that and um, a lot of US investors were looking at the company and we see that also with other companies in our portfolio and I'm very sure my, my colleagues from other VC funds as well. So at the end of the day, there is enough capital out there. If you would ask the VCs, they say they would say there's there are not enough great companies out there. Um, and and uh, since I was a founder before, I would definitely not like that comment. Um, but it, it is as, as it is. Um, people are only investing in things they like. Um, so um, our feeling at the moment is there is too much capital. Um, that's why we're not, for example, we didn't, the last time we raised the fund, we kept it kind of the same size because we felt that's the money we can allocate to the market. Um, and yes, when you look at growth stages, in, there is enough capital, but attracting people to Europe, uh, especially uh, so funds from outside of Europe, is more difficult. Why? Because uh, taking care of those companies, flying over to board meetings, knowing the market, um, helping the company with their, with their networks is tougher. So that's why for, for a U.S. fund, they would never allocate 50% probably of their capital to European companies. Um, and it also their investors uh, wouldn't like that, I guess. Um, but um, it's, um, it's, it's our responsibility as VCs and also for the founders to, to show our companies more to those outside investors. Um, I don't think the politic can do that, like making it make more visible. What they should maybe do is, uh, if you look at the whole taxation issue, if you look at uh, stock options for employees, there is a lot to be done to make it easier uh, to understand for foreigners and more usable from a tax perspective and, and just easier and faster the whole thing uh, because uh, bottom line is we are creating jobs, like all of us founders uh, and, and, and indirectly the VCs, and that should be in the interest of, of politicians. Um, and uh, if you look at the US market, the stock exchange, all the great digital companies that are now dominating those indexes, they were all uh, they all started as startups at one point in time. And the DAX, the German uh, stock market index, uh, index uh, is still full of very old companies that might get disrupted soon if we, uh, from outsiders, uh, if we don't support our local companies. And do you personally find this uh, startup drain a good idea? A good idea? You mean that they that they're leaving Europe? Yes. I don't see people leaving. Um, so when it comes to software companies, um, there there are two types of founders. Uh, they all acknowledge that the U.S. software market is bigger and easier than the European one because it's one big market with one language. Um, so at some point in time, everybody wants to be there. If they go themselves or if they have a head of U.S. or whatever, um, it depends. So that's that's the two types. Um, so and then when you look at um, like events here in Berlin, um, all across Europe, those people are coming back and trying to help the local ecosystem. Um, same happens in Israel. So I don't I don't see there's a drain there. It's probably rather um, emancipation and knowledge sharing at at a very large scale, which I think is extremely good. If I look at software businesses in the US, there's so much more knowledge than in Europe, and it's great that we can um, learn from them. Um, what are your key takeaways from the crisis, both from personal and career perspective so far? 
Um, yeah, I mentioned it before a little bit. So um, I like uh, that things are slowing down a bit. People are thinking more, are more careful, um, really asking themselves what's the path to profitability. So I remember times uh, when we were just talking about top line revenue, nobody really understood uh, the difference between different business models and gross profit, or at least not, we're not talking about it. And then last summer, people starting acknowledging there's gross profit. So you have to look at, uh, you know, what's, what's actually contributing to the business. You were looking at unit economics, asking the question, so how can this ever become profitable? If you remember the Uber IPO where it says, you know, you have to stay in monopoly, nobody should interfere, and then you have to raise prices, and then we will become profitable, which is probably very unlikely as a scenario. So that's great. Um, I also like... Um, that people are uh, founders are still active and 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 fighting for their businesses and trying to fundraise, discussing with VCs, so people are not hiding out there. So there's a big chance that this is kind of cutting away all the noise, all all the buzz, all the showing off, and going back to fundamentals and working on on the business. And I'm not saying everybody did that, right? But you know that's what you see a lot. Um, and uh, that's that's great acknowledging great work of, of founders um, and as a career perspective I think um, if you feel that you don't like the place you're working at right now and, and you always wanted to to change the world and change something that's a great start now because there's a lot of support from the ecosystem for founders there's a lot of VCs uh, who want to invest at a very early stage um, so this could be a good personal opportunity to to take the leap and and finally start doing something All students in Berlin have moved in the online semester, so to say in the home office. Um, would you give us a small advice how to stay productive in the home office in your opinion? Yeah, probably I'm the wrong one giving advice here. I don't have two lists myself and I can highly recommend everybody to have one. Um, so I guess um, one thing that is also for me very important is to have a certain routine. So what I'm doing in the morning, um, kind of, you know, before you start working, making yourself a coffee, etc., etc. Um, but getting your mind ready for work and then staying there. So not going back to some other place um, or chatting in between. I think being focused is the difficult part. So you probably should, should put your focus time in your calendar, not take any calls, don't look at your WhatsApp and then do some work. Um, but also take this as an opportunity because, you know, some people might like a nap uh, during lunchtime because it makes them more productive. And now this is a chance to do it or do more sports because, you know, you don't have the way to work and back. Um, so mixing this up and looking for stuff that gives you energy outside of that focus zones. And um, I don't know if, if people know that, but you can concentrate for 20 minutes and then your brain has to do some mind wandering for a minute. So don't, 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 don't kill yourself at home and feeling alone uh, because even, you know, after working an hour, uh, calling a friend, a colleague, um, just to get your mind into a different state and then going back to focus, that's the second recommendation. So, um, yeah, don't, don't, uh, how, do, how do you say that? Don't, don't uh, cramp up, don't stress yourself too much being at home. Jesper, thank you so much for sharing your experiences, ideas, opinions. Uh, we wish you to stay healthy. And of course, we wish more, uh, more and more successful businesses to Hot Spring Ventures. Great. Thanks for the interview. And if you know anyone or if anyone is listening, starting a new business, please let us know. Happy to uh, talk about it. This was HowFS Startup Podcast Episode 3 with Jasper Mazeman from Holtspring Ventures. Next week, you will hear more exciting talks with our HowFS Startup Hopping alumni companies. 
Stay tuned and have a great day.